Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout Podcast. I got to I'm actually having real issues getting this one out. This is, I think, my fourth attempt at doing this. I keep running out of time. I only get thirty minutes uh, to do this, um, so I'm going to have to really try and power through this one. Um, what this one is all about is my predictions on the pool stages and how all the teams are going to do and where they're going to finish in the pools. Um, and like I say, it's taking me like five attempts. I'm kind of running from a script, but I just can't seem to get it into the 30 minutes. So I'm going to have to be really focused on this. Probably I think it's my sixth attempt. Anyway, 48 hours. I'm sorry, question. 49 and a half hours till kickoff on Friday. Uh, for us here in, in Eastern Canada uh, and the opening game between New Zealand and France. Uh, just bubbling with excitement. Uh, our household is very excited. We're actually fortunate enough to be going to France in October. We've got tickets for the two quarterfinals in Paris and then spending a week uh, just absorbing the whole the whole rugby party in the south of France um, and uh, getting to watch uh, the semis and some some bars and pubs down in the south of France, which would be good fun. But anyway, uh, what I'll be trying to do over the course of the next couple of weeks is uh, I, I won't be able to go into too much detail. I'll do as much as I can. But yeah, a lot of these podcasts will be, you know, kind of a whip round of, of the action that got played out at the weekend and what it could what it could uh, mean for the next round. Um, I haven't, and I'm not talking really about in this uh, podcast, the final round of the World Cup warmups. If you want to read about that and what I thought about it, um, that's over on the rugby lineout, uh, rugby blog. Uh, I did talk about um, the final round of World Cup warmups and particularly that, uh, Shock defeat, uh, two shock defeats at Twickenham, uh, New Zealand, South Africa, and uh, England to Fiji. So if you want more on that, head on over to the blog and uh, fill your boots. But I'm not really going to go into detail here because otherwise I will then run out of time in this podcast for, I think, count number six or seven. So yeah, I really got to get this done. So let's get into it. Um, pool A, start off with Pool A. Um, you know, in many ways, I think in terms of predicting how that pool is going to play out, um, it's perhaps one of the easiest going back to that, you know, a lot of people have talked about, uh, the nature of the draw for this world cup and the fact that it's extremely lopsided, i.e. you've got the top five teams on one side of the draw, which then means that only four of those top five teams will then go through to the quarters and then only two of them through to the semis. Um, I think the flip side of that coin is it throws up some really fascinating permutations of what, of, you know, how this World Cup is going to play out and who could end up in the final. Um, and I think as a result, it's making it one of the most interesting World Cups in a long time, um, certainly that I can remember. Um, and I've watched all of them since 87. So yeah, I, I think this, it, it has its drawbacks and, and there will be some painful losses and we won't get to see some of the teams we'd really like to see in the knockout stages. But um, unfortunately, that's the way that the cookie crumbles. But at the same time, it makes for some really fascinating potential matchups and how they could all play out. So yeah, we shall see. But yeah, Pule, I think 
you know, definitely the easiest, not the easiest pool, but the easiest pool perhaps to predict. Um, and I would like to start off by saying that in no disrespect to Uruguay, Namibia, or Italy, um, particularly Italy. But yeah, I think in terms of the pecking order as to how the pool is going to finish, I think you're going to see France finish top of the pool. So in first place, I think New Zealand a very strong close second. Uh, Italy uh, in third, Uruguay in fourth, Namibia in fifth. Um, France, it's their own World Cup. There is the weight of expectation on their shoulders. Um, like as, as everybody has said, that the expectations on this French squad to win their World Cup, uh, to win it in France, uh, to finally win a final, of which they've appeared of, of, in three, uh, is huge. Um, and that is certainly going to be something that mentally they're going to have to wrestle with because it's a, it's a proven fact that it, if you're the host nation, it's, 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 it's a challenge. Um, I think also they, there's some unfortunate kind of sideshows going on. They've had some injury issues and one of the things that has kind of, given rise uh, come out of that is a, I think what is really an unnecessary distraction with the inclusion of Bastien Chalereau in, in the squad um, as a replacement for Paul Willemsa, who's out. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it. Unfortunately, Chalereau is under investigation. Uh, he's still, you know, the, the old adage, uh, innocent until proven guilty, but he's being investigated for a racially motivated attack on two fellow rugby players. Um, and quite frankly, the evidence doesn't look very good. Um, and, you know, a couple of former uh, French greats, particularly Thierry Dusatois, have come out and said they don't particularly like playing with him. Um, they, they, they feel that a lot of this negativity around his inclusion in the squad is justified. So, yeah, I think there's... And there's two issues there, very simply. Um, I, I just... It's a distraction I really don't think France need right now. And let's not forget, only two two or three months ago, there were huge race riots in France. Um, so why would you want to, why would you do this? And secondly, you know, at the start of every game, there's always the announcement, you know, rugby stands against racism. Well, that's going to have a bit of a pregnant silence, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I just, I really don't understand why Gaultier has decided to go down this road. Uh, there is enough depth in French rugby to not really have the need for this kind of unnecessary distraction. So puzzling. Um, but as long as that doesn't get in the way and further injuries and uh, opening night nerves and weight of a nation's expectations on their shoulders, put all that aside, I still think that they will get through and, and win the pool. Um Obviously, a very difficult opening game against New Zealand, but then relatively soft games against Uruguay and Namibia, followed up by their final game against Italy. I think one potential caveat or tripwire here is France have a bad habit of underestimating Italy, um, either at the beginning or the end of big tournaments, most notably the Six Nations. Um, but I think, you know, what's at stake here, they, they won't do that this time around. But yeah, uh, Italy could could cause them some discomfort, but still France to finish first. New Zealand, well, whoa. Um, that thrashing 
at the hands of the Springboks two weeks ago at Twickenham had to see had to be seen to be believed. Um, wow, I, I don't think any of us were expecting it. You know, the, these are two sides who, you know, trade wins and losses back and forth on a relatively equal basis. But you did not expect to see New Zealand basically almost potentially nilled by the Springboks. Uh, yeah, it, it was a shocker. And I think it really rattled New Zealand. Um, you know, obviously there were a couple of issues in there that I don't think they were expecting a seven to one bench split by the Springboks. And that proved really hard, you know, to deal with. Um, plus them losing Scott Barrett uh, to a red card. That didn't help. Um, but what we saw was all of that aside, New Zealand's kind of the, the kind of confidence issues that got in the way of them so much last year um, coming to the surface again. They just didn't look, they looked rattled. And as a result, it just wasn't there for them. Um, and I think, you know, it's still going to be hard to get over that when you go into a game like on Friday, it's the opening game of a world tournament of a world cup against the host nation. That's a big, big ask. Um, so yeah, it's, it, that's a really tough one for them to, to deal with, I think. Um, and if you look at world cups gone by, I think this is probably one of the biggest opening games of, of any of the world cups we've had. So yeah, I think th there's the potential for, you know, confidence not necessarily where it's at and opening night jitters um and i think the other problem new zealand have gotten i think they're probably painfully aware of this they don't have much time to get their house in order if if they come unstuck against france and especially after what happened to them against south africa because they could well end up meeting south africa in the quarterfinals um and with all due respect to italy namibia and uruguay they're not exactly the kind of opposition you you need to ensure that you've ticked all the boxes in terms of fixing whatever problems you've got for in preparation for a game like that. However, this is a team that probably in, re, is able to reinvent them on themselves on the foot better and quicker than any other team out there. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned just at this stage. So yeah, I see them getting a comfortable second, if not better, maybe possibly winning, but I still, I still think they're going to come second in the pool. As much as I really, really want to see Italy reach their first ever quarterfinal, and believe me, I do, I just don't think uh, the, the way the, the draw has fallen that it's possible for them in this pool. Um, you know, I think a pretty easy game for them this weekend against Namibia. Uruguay, a good preparation game uh, ahead of meeting the All Blacks. Um, which in itself will be an excellent game to take on France. And like I said earlier, they, they have a habit of catching France napping. Um, so there is a possibility for, uh, you know, a shock result there, but I doubt it somehow. So we'll see. Uh, and then Uruguay and Namibia, tons of passion and commitment from both. Uruguay kind of at the head of this new South African, I'm sorry, South Africa, this new South American force in rugby uh, that's slowly starting to bridge the gap with uh, still a ways to go, but with the traditional South American powerhouse of Argentina. Um, so, you know, Uruguay, I think definitely they, um, they, they can cause some, some upsets, not upsets in, in the sense that um, they're going to, 
any shock results like they did in the 2019 World Cup against Fiji, but they're certainly going to make life difficult for people. Um, you know, their first game against France, um, you know, that'll that'll be challenging. And then they have Italy. Um, and then, yeah, their, their final game against New Zealand. So, you know, their easiest their easiest game in a way um, is obviously against Namibia um, and which they should do well in. Um, so yeah, them to finish fourth and then Namibia, I think because they've been kind of left out in the wilderness in terms of international rugby in the last couple of years, I think sadly they are just destined for fifth place. Then you got pool B and, uh, Everybody calls it the pool of death because you've got three of the top five teams in it, uh, top ranked teams in the world in it. And after what we saw, of, you know, South Africa, New Zealand, uh, Scotland have looked really hot come in their warm up preparations for this game. Whereas Ireland, we don't really know. So, yeah, uh, we know what they can do. It's just uh, are they are they holding back? And there's all the traditional psychological injury issues that Ireland's going to have to get through to get uh, to the quarterfinals and beyond. But yeah, South Africa, I think for me, uh, destined to win the pool. Um, they looked pretty impressive against New Zealand. Uh, they looked to be the most cohesive and well-organized side in the going into the tournament um, with the possible exception of France. Um, one of my big concerns for them before the tournament was the lack of Andre Pollard and Lucan Uam, although both now look particularly Pollard, like they are going to be involved in the Springbok campaign at some point. Um, but obviously there, there were concerns around Mani LeBoc's record off the kicking tee, but against New Zealand, he certainly brought his kicking boots to the party. And as I suspected, um, that, new center pairing of Kanan Moody and Andre Estehazen. That blew me away. That was fantastic. Um, so they are, you know, if they become South Africa's premier or first choice center pairing for the tournament, you're not losing anything. You put either of them alongside uh, a fit again, Lucan Uam. Wow. Potential's huge. Um, Scotland do have a tricky opener against uh, Scotland this weekend, uh, especially given that Scotland's very hard to predict. But I think they're just going to outmuscle uh, Scotland to the point where Scotland just can't be um, creative. They then get kind of like a warm-up match against a very physical but pretty scrappy Romanian side. And I call that kind of preparation for their biggest match of the pool stages against Ireland. Um you know, I think if they manage to pull it off, and which I think they can based on what we saw at Twickenham, uh, a confidence-boosting win, confidence-boosting win over Scotland, um, that's that game against Ireland could go in South Africa's favor, particularly if the Irish have picked up more injuries in the opening rounds. And then they end their pool with what should be just a formality against Tonga, enabling them to come out on top. The only caveat I'd throw into all of that is that they... South Africa tend to be more successful heading into a World Cup when they're coming off a run of bad form, which right now they're not really when you look at it. Um, so we'll see. Only time will tell, I think. Ireland, number one side in the world, uh, off the back of a series win in New Zealand last year and a Grand Slam at the Six Nations. But since then, to me, they've looked less than convincing. Um 
you know, plus they've got that little demon sitting on their shoulder, uh, pointing at them and saying, you've never made it out of a quarterfinal. And that's a huge psychological hurdle. Um, and, you know, a little bit like France, it's a real burden of expectation that they've somehow got to manage. Um, also, injuries tend not to be particularly kind to, to Ireland during the, the pool stages and, and their hopes of going further. I think although they've come out of the warm-up games relatively unscathed, um, despite some concerns around Dan Sheehan and Ronan Kelleher, although Kelleher starts this weekend against Romania um, in their opener, they still are a quality side, and I think they look pretty sharp. Um, they're going to be pretty hard to beat. Um, so, yeah, I think Romania and Tonga should, should be good warm-ups for them. The big thing, I guess, for me with Ireland, they just haven't really been tested that much by a really, really good side um, leading into this World Cup since the Six Nations. Uh, I think Scotland, I think South Africa is probably a bridge too far for them. And I think Scotland, although they're going to come close to, to tripping Ireland up, Ireland will do enough to get the job done and finish a strong second. Scotland, for me, dark horse of the tournament and then some. Um, I think, you know, they go into this World Cup as the fifth ranked team in the world, which I think is the highest they've ever been going into a World Cup. Their route through the pools, though, it, it starts with a bang and finishes with a bang. Um, you know, they've got to get past that physical behemoth of South Africa in the opening in their opening game and then try and see if they can essentially play a faster and smarter game than Ireland at the end of the pool stages. Um, I think they can do it. Uh, I certainly think there's the capability and the skill sets there. Um, and they, they certainly don't seem intimidated by the challenge. Um, they could be the biggest surprise of, the, of this World Cup, but I just think that game against South Africa is a bridge too far. And then if that happens, you know, you've seen they start to lose confidence and consistency so that by the time they meet Ireland at the end of it, they're in trouble. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's the harshest aspect of this whole draw that the, the possibility of us not getting to see Scotland in the knockout stages is a very real possibility. And I think that's a huge loss. But like I say, I could really be wrong. Um, this is the one team I'm most unsure about predicting where they're going to end up. So watch the space. Uh, in the bottom of the pool, Tonga and Romania. I mean, Tonga, although they've got some Wallaby, former Wallabies and All Blacks in their squad, I just don't think they're really there, particularly given the nature of Scotland, Ireland and South Africa. So they're going to finish a strong fourth. And then for me, Romania is just too much of a mess right now. Um, lots of courage, lots of heart there, but not enough to, to really cause any surprises. So Romania, sadly, to finish fifth. Pool C. Uh, this is one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive pool, I think, in the whole draw. Um, with Fiji looking to be the surprise package in all of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's close between Fiji, Wales and Australia. On that note, I'm actually going to stick my neck out on a limb and say I actually think Fiji are going to win the pool. Uh, Australia to finish second, Wales to finish third, Georgia to finish fourth, and Portugal to finish fifth. Um, I think after seeing that game of, of Fiji beating England at Twickenham two weeks ago, I fancy them to top the pool. 
Now, sadly, this morning we heard the gutting news that their fly um, fly halves, Caleb Munts, is out with an injury picked up in training this week. Of all things, he's out of the World Cup in its entirety. I was devastated by that news, and I think all of us are because there's so much excitement about this Fijian team, and and people really, really, and myself included, really want to see them do well. And I think they still will. I think even without um, Caleb Munts, they've got, you know, Volavolo is not a bad, bad replacement. Um, and let's look at Fiji. I mean, you know, in the past, they've been these high-octane entertainers, but they were entertainers. You know, they're brilliantly skilled in attack, but the, the set piece and the technical side of the game was just a bit messy. Um, but they've looked good this year. They are a well-rounded, well-organized team who are just as good physically and in 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 the physical battles now as they are with with ball in hand um and we saw that two weeks ago against england you know and they're so far this year they've only lost two games um you know uh it's been been pretty pretty impressive um you know so you know of, of of all their games this year, they've only lost one game and that was to France. And in that game, they look really competitive. So yeah, I do not write these guys off. I think they're the surprise package of the tournament. Um, and yeah, I, I, I see, I see them topping the pool. Um, you know, the, the game they've got, they start their campaign against Wales this weekend. And if they win against Wales, which I think they can, they can carry and, and build some real momentum and take that through into their next game against Australia. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden I think they, they could win that. And then with that, the pool and onwards and upwards. And then after that, you know, all they, all they have to deal with essentially is Fiji and Georgia, you know, Fiji will find Georgia hard work, make no mistake about it. Um, particularly if they picked up injuries and then what should be a soft game against Portugal. Um, Australia, you know, uh, along with Scotland, I think the other smoking gun of the tournament, Eddie Jones may be without a win since taking over the reins, but I think we've seen glimpses of promise this year that just can't be denied. Um, I don't think they're good enough to go all the way. Uh, this tournament is really more about building a squad for the World Cup in Australia in 2027. Um, but, you know, issues still remain. I think their defense is particularly still pretty porous which is going to be a real problem them against sides like fiji uh and discipline is also not the best um but you know this weekend they've got a tough battle uh against georgia i think that'll be a, a really good uh preparation game for them for their their game next weekend against fiji and that is probably going to be the most critical and one of the best games of the pool stages so yeah i think that could could be that and then after that um i think fiji may pip them and that will really motivate them to get one past wales and then from there it's it's just portugal they've got to get past so yeah i see them finishing second wales have potential but it's just not there right now i i they they just don't seem to be at the races uh disjointed seeming to struggle with confidence motivation i just i can't see them getting out of this pool um, I think Fiji and, and Australia are going to be too much for them. Um, so, yeah, and I think, you know, they could, worst case scenario, even finish fourth because, 
Georgia uh, is who is their final game. Georgia is a big problem for Wales. Um, <coughs> excuse me, they lost to them last year, so watch that space. I think uh, they could well struggle. But yeah, I see Ireland uh, Ireland finishing third, despite the fact that you know even when they're down and out, they somehow seem to up their game when it comes to the World Cup. But I don't think that's happening this year. Georgia, for me, finishing fourth, like Fiji, uh, their game's really, really evolved. You know, it used to be this powerhouse forward-based game, with, but relatively weak out wide and in the backs. But now they've got a rounded game, and it looks good. Um, they're a threat. Make absolutely no mistake. Um, you know, dominant in Europe's second-tier competition, uh, banging on the door of the Six Nations. You know, this is a good team. Um, so... I think, you know, that last game against Wales could be one of the big shocks of the tournament if things haven't gone well for Wales. But I think overall, not enough to get past Fiji and Australia and probably not Wales, so finishing fourth. And then Portugal, bags of ambition, bags of commitment and heart, but not enough really in the tank to get past any of the other four in the pool, so them to finish fourth. Pool D, I kind of call it the the pool of broken dreams, uh, with the exception of Argentina, who are red hot and, for me, the only dead ringer in that pool right now. Um, you know, I think Argentina arrive in France as, as Pool D's clear favorites. Um, very motivated, very cohesive side who seems to be doing well under what, uh, what Cheka is trying to do with them. Michael Cheka is trying to do with them. Very good record on the road, uh, beating New Zealand on the road. Um, narrow loss to South Africa this year in, in Johannesburg. Uh, beating England on the road. You know, they thrive well and play well together away from home. And uh, that is ideal preparation for a World Cup. Uh, discipline's still a bit of a problem. Uh, some of the set piece work not as strong as it needs to be. Um, but yeah. They got their first game against England, which I think they're going to win, um, and relatively comfortably. I think I may be proven wrong, but I, I think they can do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think their only other real threat in, in that pool is is Japan, but I can't see Japan, particularly if, if Argentina beat England comfortably, I can't see Japan troubling. Um uh, Argentina at, at the end of their, their pool stages. Uh, after the England game, though, that game with Samoa uh, could be a tough one. Um, you know, it could be a very tough game indeed, um, because I think as we saw with Samoa against Ireland, uh, watch out for them. But yeah, I see Argentina comfortably topping the pool. England, I think, look a mess. Um, however, despite that, I think Japan's in even more of a mess. So uh, really, although I don't, I can't see England getting past Argentina, provided they can get past Samoa, which will not be easy, um, I think England will have enough to get out of the pool, and that's probably where it all ends for them. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, in a way they're in the easiest pool of all, given their problems. Um, but those last two games against Japan and Samoa, if things haven't gone well for them, they, they could be in trouble. Uh, but I still see them doing enough to, to finish 
to finish second. Samoa, a bit of a, a dark horse there in, in that final pool. Um, they, I've got them listed down as, as finishing third. Um, you know, pretty easy game, I think, for them to start uh, as they take on Chile, but then it ramps up. Um, and yeah, I, I think definitely watch Samoa. I, I don't think they'll get past Argentina. It'll be a good arm wrestle, an excellent preparation for their game against Japan, and then their final game against England. And I could see them taking either one of Japan or England, or maybe, big shock of the tournament, both. We shall see. But yeah, right now I'm uh, I'm banking on Samoa finishing a very, very strong third. Japan, for me, are just a conundrum. They're nowhere near what they were in 2019, despite since that World Cup, uh, the team, you know, the club uh, game in Japan growing hugely with teams with big pockets financially, but it's just not matching up. And Japan just looked to be on a, a downward trajectory, unfortunately. Uh, there's something not clicking in that squad. I don't know what it is. Um, probably their their you know their their biggest game will be against an English side who's kind of in the same boat. Maybe that's room for them to pull off a big surprise. I don't know. Chile, like I say, lots of heart, lots of passion, but I can't see them really making an impact in this pool in terms of a win. So that's it. Uh, like I say, 3 p.m. Eastern on uh, Friday on TSN, uh, also on Stan Sport. If you went that route for the New Zealand South Africa game, all games live and on demand. Can't wait. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, so I'm going to leave it at that because I'm literally about to run out of time and I really want to get this one done. So take care, everyone. Enjoy the rugby, and I will talk to you very soon.